So as we get started talking about this movie, Crazy Rich Asians, um, this was, yeah, one of the biggest films of 2018. Um, it was the highest grossing film of the weekend it came out, April 17th, 2018. And in that weekend, it earned like $35 million in the box office. And within a week of its release, the director was already um, like commissioned essentially to um, direct the sequel, which is super exciting. Looking forward to that coming out. I loved watching this film. So this is my second time watching this film when I watched it for the class. And so um, I got to see it with the lens more of really analyzing the feminist viewpoints and the cultural implications rather than just um, how extravagant and how like, cute the whole film was with the rom-com. Um, so I really enjoyed getting to analyze it. So one thing I like to look at when I was thinking about, okay, this is like one of the first, like, this is like the second um, Hollywood um, all Asian film or all Asian cast film in like 25 years. And so when I'm thinking about those things, a couple questions came to mind, like, who was in charge of telling this story? I think it's really important to have representation of the people that are depicted in the film, having those people direct it and really like guide um yeah guide that storytelling and putting it into really like um putting it into the right hands and so the film is based off of the book Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan and he wrote that in 2013 and his goal of writing the film uh, of writing the book was to introduce a contemporary Asia to a North American audience and so I think that that in itself really gives us um a lens to really view this film it's like who is it for it's not for um yeah it's not for necessarily everybody he really wrote it for the north american audience and so when we're analyzing it really think that think with that mindset um and also the director his name is john m chu and he is an asian a chinese american born in california he's directed many different films like step up to streets the streets um justin bieber movie never say never and so um i think and, and i think it was cool that they also put it and i think it was important that they put this film into the hands of an asian american um so that's just some background info they like won tons of awards and everything of that sort um won awards even for like the set and the fashion because it's it's just a beautiful movie. The wedding scene, one of my favorites. Just everything was just glam. Um, but as we're diving into analyzing aspects of this film, um, there are a couple articles that that really give insightful points about, um, yeah, some themes of this movie. And so um, in class, we talked about um, Go's article, um, Lee Shango wrote this article, Imperial Fantasies, on the cost of misrepresentation. And in that, I, I thought her article was really insightful for me because it highlighted aspects that I was too enthralled in the film to really recognize in the narrative. Um, just like through the plot and the lavish scenery, I didn't, I just failed to see like how the film perpetuated certain stereotypes um, and how it just like painted, it actually painted people that live in Singapore with like a single broad stroke and there were times where it misrepresented brown-skinned people and so from without really analyzing it I don't think that and thinking about that thoroughly it's easy it was easy for me to kind of oversee just kind of like oh we're just talking about crazy Asians it's like no like thinking about the the um 
population of Singapore and the majority of the um, people that live there are not wealthy or not all um, Chinese descent. I think that that was kind of like a hole that was missing in the film. Um, yeah, and just how, like, so Go, Go has in critiques, like, the homogenous nature of depicting Asians in Singapore, and there were, like, minimal, minimal opportunities to represent brown-skinned people in the movie, um, and so it just, like, perpetuated the stereotype, um, like, there were racist elements of the film that Go pointed out that I didn't even really think of, uh, how, like, the brown-skinned people that were represented were either, like, drivers or guards, and they were looked at as scary, which is not something that we want to continue to just perpetuate in society, but this film didn't really, like, um, yeah, really try to, um, yeah, try to break those stereotypes down. But I did come across another article by Curtis Chen, which I thought was really insightful. He's an Asian American, um, and he like serves as the U.S. ambassador um, to the Asian Development Bank under like Bush and Obama. And so, basically, his point was in his article. He said, titled "Changing Stereotypes in a World of Crazy Rich Asians." Um, basically, he said that then the at the end of the day, like, this is a story that matters, and so we don't want the fact that some issues with the stereotypes um, ruin the whole movie, and the fact that we're trying to type, take steps forward towards representing more Asians in media, and that at the end of the day, it's a really, it's a big burden to hold, um, like, a big burden to hold for just one two-hour film to um, really break down all the stereotypes and represent every aspect the poor the rich the darker skin the lighter skinned um and basically he just talked about how um like the movement of representation and inclusion is more than just a film um and it basically like this movie does highlight some things to to really bring bring the beauty and humanity towards Asian society and Asian culture and how like the film like highlighted the rise of wealth in Asia and the increasing visibility of Asians in America um and it's really important for our North American society to see that and see the beauty of this culture and these people um so I don't know I I really get both points I think it's really hard to just put all the burden onto one film for a two-hour film but I do see the fact that like you could have put a little cup you could have like represented it a little better so um another thing we talked about um in class um was a article by Michelle Chen called Crazy Rich Asians is a charming indulgence but frustratingly apolitical and so basically she just talks about how um the women in lead roles, um, they don't fulfill all the tropes necessarily of, like, the poor girl marries this rich guy, and so there's a lot of conversation about agency, the relationship that the woman has, um, you even see the power differential, um, with, because of class, so Rachel Chu, um, comes from a low, like, a middle class family, she's a New York, um, professor, and her boyfriend of a year, Nick Young, um, she doesn't know this until later she meets his family, but he is from, like, a high, wealthy, old money class family, um, in Singapore, and so she meets his, she, um, goes to a family friends of their wedding in Singapore, and she meets his family, and then there's issues that arise due to the fact that, um, she is Asian American, so I think that causes some barriers with, doesn't, the barrier of her being Asian American and him being 
just Asian um, doesn't affect their relationship for like when they were dating, but it does play a toll on her relationship with his mother. Um, and it also, even just the, the money, the socioeconomic level, um, does also influence some, so cause some barriers because Rachel is raised from like a single mother. And so there's aspects of just motherhood and that we will delve into in a couple minutes as well. And so in Michelle Chen's article, she just talks about, um, those like power differentials and, um, how, um, the producers basically like allowed Rachel to have autonomy and agency to make decisions, even though she was like a middle-class foreigner. Um, and a lot of the tropes that were typically in, wait, sorry, I'm getting these mixed up. Um, in Michelle Chen's article, she talks about the extravagant and the extravagant lifestyle that's represented in the film and how that kind of takes away from a lot of other political things that could be talked about. And there could have been a bigger conversation that she felt that, um, you know, just the, the, the lavishness of the film kind of just, like, overshadowed those things, and how, um, but she did emphasize that, like, a lot of stereotypes were, um, defied, you know, there wasn't just this nerdy Asian token character, we get to see, like, the black sheep of the family, the backstabber, and the, the beautiful lead actress, and how, like, Rachel does overcome these, like, socioeconomic barriers, and just becomes authentic to herself and who she is, but yeah, um, Shannon Lau also wrote an article titled how crazy Asians turns traditional Asian rom-com trope into a modern statement and so she talks about um yeah as well like how Rachel maintains autonomy and agency to make decisions even though she's a middle-class foreigner um and like Nick's mom was also represented with humanity and not just some nagging mother-in-law you know we talk she talks about the hardships that she had to endure um so yeah we talk about motherhood here the hardships that um even though it seems like she's really emotional emotionally hard um and she just talks about like I've had to sacrifice a lot for this family to be where I am to maintain the dynamic the family has like you don't really know what I had to endure to make this family the way it is and so I think that's also really beautiful and like brings humanity to her as well and helping us as the audience understand kind of where she's coming coming from um which I think is a really um beautiful asset of motherhood and and culture that kind of combines to really show that um that yeah that aspect of um having to sacrifice yourself for the the greater the greater good of the community and for the honor of the family um another aspect of motherhood that was kind of like shown in this film was the fact that Rachel's mom was a single mom and the fact that like there's just like um basically Rachel's like family life gets exposed quote unquote um and I think that the 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 fear of Nick's family is that that will bring shame onto their own family and they don't want to be associated with something with someone who um like had a child out of wedlock in an affair and I feel like I think that um yeah that aspect of motherhood from the young the young family perspective brought shame but I feel that um nowadays in 2019 I think even just representing a representing a story that 
representing the story of a single mother and showing that like you can be like you can be okay you can be successful you can raise a child that becomes a professor of a university in new york i think that's really cool and even just like showing just showing representing like representing more um different dynamics of motherhood and not just this like um high socioeconomic like wealthy um matriarch but also a single mom who's also doing fine as well and just having those um stories told on tv on on media in movies um there was another really interesting article that i really enjoyed um wei huan chen she wrote an article called crazy rich asian celebrates women and wealth um astrid was one of my favorite um actresses in like one of my favorite characters in this film because I thought she was just like badass and um she just she was wealthy she was compassionate um this film just had so many different women in the in the film that were like complex Asian female characters that you don't really get to see every day you see them painted with this broad brush of being meek soft-spoken quiet but we really get to see some powerful women who are resilient and outspoken and strong. And I really like that this movie really defied those stereotypes of Asian women um, in a really like healthy way. Um, but yeah, one character I really loved was Astrid. Astrid um, was like a cousin of um, Nick's and like and it, she was a, a relative of his like in his family. And she married, I guess, like a commoner and he was like a soldier and he so she was a breadwinner of the family so we see the very beginning of the movie she like buys really expensive jewelry and shoes and she's hiding them in her home so her husband doesn't feel um essentially like emasculated and so I think it's really cool that even towards the end of the movie and I'm really excited to see her in the second film the sequel but like her wealth offense essentially like brings like a wedge in her marriage and like makes her husband feel emasculated and it just like sends a clear message that like as a female breadwinner like you should not have to hide your expensive purchases or tone down the effect of like your wealth because it threatens a man's manhood um like women can be brilliant professors they can be like intimidating matriarchs and captivating royalty like just celebrating the women and celebrating the fact that you can be the breadwinner and I just think that if roles were switched, just even thinking how society runs and, like, how society views, um, just, um, financial income dynamics of a married couple, I think if roles were switched that we wouldn't see this, it, we wouldn't see affecting the marriage. We would not see if, if, if her husband made more of the money, he wouldn't be hiding his things in the house, um, and we don't, I don't think that we would see this um character development of Astrid being like she's less of a woman or less feminine or anything like that so I think it's really really cool that they really um had that aspect of the film um just celebrating women and like wealth um and that women can really do it all you you can do it all and then having this even highlighting Asian women with that specifically I also wanted to point out um the friendship between Rachel and Astrid I think that um rom-coms typically like you see like you might see aspects of things that come into the relationship that like things that hinder the relationship's development are 
women fighting over the guy or guys fighting over the woman and just like women being really nasty and mean to each other and competitive and I think it's really cool to see how there's a film where like there's a there's a scene where like Rachel and Astrid both bury this fish and basically it shows that Rachel um isn't going to succumb to essentially petty um people that are trying to make her feel um less than worthy um of being in this relationship and how Astrid comes alongside her and they're both just being really open Astrid talks about how her husband is having an affair and it just shows this compassionate loving and caring aspect of their relationship which is really beautiful to see um, women coming together in solidarity and really caring for each other um yeah and that they don't have to be like they don't have to put each other up because of men um, and I think that even just shows more of the complexity of women and specifically Asian women in society. And so there's so many other aspects of this film that I could talk about, but it looks like we are out of time. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast um, about Crazy Rich Asians. I hope you really enjoyed the different elements and themes that I, I pointed out today. Um, and I hope you will, um, stay tuned, um, to, or stay, um, yeah, stay tuned to watch the sequel that's coming up soon. So I hope you have a great day and we'll see you on our next podcast episode. Hey everybody, it's Malaika and Gabby here. Hi guys. So yeah, we're just, um, yeah, Gabby, what are we doing right now? Well, Malaika, we are currently on our way back to Columbus. Um, we did a daycation road trip to my college where we picked up all my stuff that was left there after we had to go home in March due to COVID and quarantine. So yeah, it's been a lot of driving today, but we're almost home. But we've been having some fun conversations and we wanted to let you guys in on that. Yeah, I feel like even though over COVID, so we haven't been able to see each other a lot because, you know, social distancing, but we've had a really, a lot of really good conversations. We're like, you let's bring this to the people. So give the people the content they want. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we're excited to invite you guys into this. So I was just thinking like, okay, so I just recently graduated from the Ohio State University. Ooh, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, you did. Yes. Um, super excited. Um, but yeah, I was just like reflecting on like what college life was like and like why like how I went to college how I chose this university basically what our experiences because like Gabby and I had pretty different paths kind of getting to where we are yeah we did and it definitely was something we thought about a lot today being at my school which is really tiny um private Christian school about 2,500 students and so I was showing like around and it just was pretty clear we've had pretty different experiences but it was fun to kind of chat about some of the different things that we really love about each of those experiences yeah like for sure I think so when I like so a little backstory too Gabby and I have been best friends since like since we were like five yeah since yeah. we were five I mean, yeah, there were. It was really like surface level or basic at points, but like um, we're still here. And so, yeah, we went to the same high school and basically had different kind of, yeah, I think different plans what we're gonna do post grad. Pretty different life plans, yeah. Which ended up different ways. I ended up taking a gap year, Um, so I have not graduated yet, but I'll be a senior in the fall, which is crazy. Um, But it definitely is something that. My college experience was not the college experience I had planned, but it is definitely the one that um, I know God had for me. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I was like, is this still recording? Is it? <laughs> it is. Okay, good. Oh, we just got to... Two minutes? Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to be real on here. Oh, so, um, yeah. So, for me, came into college... Okay, so first off, we went to a really small high school. Really small, guys. Like, 40 kids in our high school. Yes. Um, Christian school here in Columbus. We had a graduating class of nine people. And so, when I was, like, applying to colleges, like, my only, like my only prerequisite or like my only like I don't know disclaimer of other than it being a good school was like it had to be big like go big or go home so like (laughs) as like Ohio State right around the corner perfect whereas like I walk onto Ohio State's campus and there are students everywhere and it gives me so much anxiety and I knew (laughs) that that was not gonna be a good fit for me especially after my gap year when I was college searching again I was looking at schools like OSU and figuring out, okay, is this somewhere where I can call home? Right. Or do I need something smaller? Turns out I definitely needed something smaller. I mean, when she said that she was going to Grove City, like, Grove City College, I was like, okay, that's cool. I did not know Grove City, Ohio had a college. Nope, Grove City, Pennsylvania. And so this is everyone. It's like a really, it's in a really sweet town um, in... Pennsylvania called Grove City yep, and um yeah really different than like even like the suburbs that we grew up in Columbus but yeah so what was like your college experience in general like what were some things that stuck out to you that like you've learned like I know for sure I'm a very different person I was freshman year of college walking onto Ohio State's campus all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed like I'm gonna take on the world and yeah, which is great attitude to have, but definitely learned a lot and had a lot of really cool experiences. So, like, Gabby, I was wondering for you, like, what are some that have stuck out to you in the past? What are some lessons that you've learned maybe um, over yeah. the past couple of years in college? Yeah, well, one thing, um, especially when I was a freshman coming in, I was very concerned about making friends um, because I am an extrovert. I love people and I always want to be around people. And so coming into a college where I knew absolutely no one was terrifying and I was really nervous that I wouldn't make friends and it definitely was a rocky road and I kind of fell into um, the way of thinking that said you can only be accepted if you have a big group and that's something that I really bought into my freshman year and just was so upset about because I couldn't find my group. And I couldn't seem to figure out what group to fit into. Um, And eventually I I had to realize, like, I can't change myself to fit into a group. I need to be authentic to who I am. And the people who surround me in that are the people I need to be with. The people who push you to be the best that you can be and don't push you to change into something you're not. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that um, it's taken a a bunch of years, gotta be honest, um, to really figure out how to surround myself with those people. Um, And I am so thankful for the people who God brings in during a season and out during another season. Um, I have seen him bring people in and out and that has been such a blessing. But um, yeah, that's been a really big part, especially because Um, Grove City is so small that I was very, very focused on um, finding my group and um, I've kind of come into a place entering my last year where my group is not what I thought it would be and it's not as big as if you would ask me freshman year if I would want it to be. 
uh, this small, I would say absolutely not. But I'm very thankful for this group because it's the people who God has put in my life. Yeah. And it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Girl, if I could snap, I would totally snap on you that. You can't snap? I cannot snap. Why didn't I know that? Are you serious? I don't think I knew that. Wait, yes, I did. Because we had to do a song one time, and then you couldn't, and we had to snap, and yeah. you couldn't do it, and you faked I it, I think. Yes, I'm 22 years old. And I probably old. made fun of you for it, so yes. I'm sorry. I've learned, I've literally, like, I, I've had people who have tried to teach me how to snap, and, like, you just put your hands like this, and I'm like, it doesn't work with my <laughs> fingers. It literally doesn't. Um, capable of snapping. Literally capable of snapping. It's a fun fact. Fun yeah. fact about you, Malika. There you go. Love Wait, it. what's a fun fact about you before I kind of can... Bounce oh, off what you were saying. I have so many weird fun facts. Um, <laughs> the first one that came to mind had to do with psoas. I don't know if that's a fun fact. Doing what? Psoas. Psoas. Oh, I <laughs> tore a muscle in my hip called the psoas. That's a go, that's yeah. a painful fun fact. Um, that was not not great. Got to be honest, but that is a fun fact. Um, it's a pretty important muscle too, um, but no one really knows what it is. So it's kind of like that mystery muscle. That was a long fun fact. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that was just something that came up because I didn't know. I like it. Yeah, I keep forgetting what that muscle is until Gabby reminds me. Because we were chatting about it. We were chatting about it. It was hurting while we were lifting boxes yeah. out of my door, but that's okay. We're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think one thing that stuck out to me that you were saying is the fact that like, I don't know, even just thinking about people that enter into and exit your life for reasons and seasons that like, that's something that took me a while to come yeah. to terms with what, why that happens in lives. And like, is that like, yeah, is it my fault that people like end up not staying in my circle or in my life or, um, yeah, kind of who are the people I'm attracted to, to like bring into my life and like, yeah. who do I want to be and mold into and who do I want to be kind of in? Yeah kind of molding into a better person alongside yeah. me and yeah I think that is yeah a really big lesson I learned in college um I was that person like literally freshman year first like week of school maybe like month of school and like I was in an early arrival program I thought those people were gonna be like my best friends like my ride or dies until like I finished college and like thought I don't know everyone in my building was gonna be like the people that I like I don't know end up at my wedding or something of that sort you know and so um, definitely learned quickly that that's not how relationships work and that's not really how yeah things go and I think especially coming from such a small school I'm like okay wh- who are the type right. of people I'm attracted to like I was giving my this, like the same friends my entire life so um, yeah but yeah our friends were kind of built in in elementary school and high school they just kind of were always there and so going into a new situation and having to make friends was terrifying right and it took a long time oh my gosh yeah i'm like is this my shield is very yeah you're good i like can't see me neither oh boy it's dark guys yeah we are driving currently um it's rainy it's raining it's dark we are in columbus not in columbus we're in ohio 100 miles away from columbus yeah go bucks (laughs) and literally i found out on a road trip at 22 years old, that West Virginia, a portion, a sliver <laughs> of West Virginia, borders the eastern side yep, of Ohio. Who I did not know that. Like, so I, we actually visited three states today. Three states in 12 hours. Wow. Um, That's got to be a record. Right? 
I've that's I've never I'm like I've never been in West Virginia, but I guess I have. You have been in West Virginia. Yeah. We've totally driven through West Virginia before right. on some school oh, trip. Oh, true. You're right. We you're totally right. have. Yeah. But anyway, back to our conversation. Back to the topic about, at hand about colleges um, and just differences there. Yeah, Malika, what were um, what are some other things that you went into college expecting, and what was it actually like? Yeah, I think I didn't expect to change so much in college. Funny thing, I was that freshman in high school who was like, I have come to the terms of my identity and I am firm in who I am. You were, I can confirm that. (laughs) I was like loud and proud of like who I thought I was then and was very confident in that um, as a freshman. But little did I know that there's so much growth that happens just through just experiences. Like there were things, there were classes I took there were people I interacted with there were trips that I went on um abroad in state conversations I had with people that were different than me that molded my worldview and my perspective on life um I didn't expect that to really happen in going into college um I thought I was pretty firm in what I kind of believed and um in who I was and I think that was something that took me by surprise for sure I think it's one of those things where you you go into college and you're like yeah I'm gonna learn so much academic knowledge and whatever these classes are that you're taking and yeah like you will but a lot of what you learn in college is really um learning how to listen to people who are different than you right. and realizing that I don't have to have everything in common with someone to love them and be their friend right um even if that person is not in my inner circle of friends that really tight-knit group that you trust with everything yeah. like that's okay and learning to value differing opinions and um like consider them and think through them and have those um conversations is something that I didn't realize that that would be one of the biggest ways I've grown in college but it definitely is mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying like no for sure I'm even thinking I don't know what made me just think about this but like I don't know if people when you are having those inner I, I don't know I was just thinking about like us in college over yeah. the past couple years like we weren't necessarily like I feel like you were always someone I could like reach out to talk to like you know and I feel like we got closer yeah, after like high school but, like, I wonder if that... I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people coming in, like, just out of high school wonder what those relationships with people that they were in, co- in college will look like, you yeah. know? And so I think one thing... I don't know. This is, like, kind of random. I don't know if this is on topic. But, like, one thing it. that, like, I think about maintaining relationships with people while you're in college, you go to different universities, too. Because, like, you're mm-hmm. talking about these inner circles and people that you trust with. And, like, yeah, like, that was, like, you, too. But, like, I you weren't actually like around physically all the time and so I think it's like I don't know keep whatever whoever those people are yeah um like be intentional about the way that you cultivate those relationships there are even mm-hmm. people in college that like I wasn't like I didn't see like every week necessarily or we didn't live together but like I still made effort to like oh, yeah. seek them out and to tell them how what's going on in my life and to like yeah. have those people in my space that I could yeah that that, that knew me and knew mm-hmm. me well and that I can kind of like do life within college yeah I would second that I um went on a summer trip a couple years ago and um just got to be on a team with um I think it was over 30 different students from just all over the place and that is um one of the biggest ways in which I've learned how to 
really keep a long distance friendship um, going and realizing that you have to give a lot of grace and that it does go both ways and that you have to um, give someone grace when they are in a really busy season and know like, okay, I can pray for you right now, but I can't expect you to call me every week. And that's okay. (laughs) Like you have to realize that they don't owe that to you, but keeping those friendships is one of the most beautiful things um, about just those experiences that you get to have. I'm really hanging on to those. And not every single one is meant to, but that's okay because God gives us people for different points in our journey, and that's a really beautiful thing. Right. And, like, yeah, I think even I'm reflecting on that as I'm leaving college and entering different spheres and a lot of my friends in college who don't like maybe live in Columbus or people people who do live in Columbus that will be working full-time jobs or be mm-hmm. living in different parts of the city or state like how do I keep in contact with those people and still maintain those relationships on like a, a deep and intentional level and um yeah I think those are really good like pointers to think to like use and like yeah you're kind of right when you were saying like in general like you do learn a lot about other things in college that I didn't expect mm-hmm. versus just academically oh, yeah. like could you even tell me, like, could, I, could you tell me what, <laughs> something, a question on your final from last semester? Like, not even this past, like, like winter semester. Maybe, I even, don't know. Honestly, you know. Wait, can wait, you, you put me on the spot no, like that? No, like, no, no you, it just are you proves, making up, what are you, what point are you making? I'm proving the point that, like. <laughs> okay, which point? Maybe, like, you don't remember everything academically in college. Okay, good point, yep. Which is sad. It is sad. It's why we keep our notes, everyone. Yes. This is, keep your notes. She said this as we're, like, cleaning out her um, her apartment today, because that's how we moved to yeah, Grove City. Yeah, we threw City. away a notebook. She but threw it was just notebook. chemistry notes, so don't worry. Yeah, I guess she's not going to use chemistry. I was like, For God, do you need this? She goes, I, I study I, social yeah. work, not chemistry, so. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Yep. For sure. So, Malenka, you are heading into a very season where you get to be someone who um, kind of counsels and mentors some new college students as well as um, experienced college students. What is something you would tell a freshman um, who is having a lot of trouble with finding her friends? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Finding friends. I think um, for me, it seemed easy for me to at least engage with people in the sense that I'm more extroverted and, like, I will ask you a million questions and try to know about your, like, try to get to know you and kind of feeds the conversation. But I think that, um, so I think there's one aspect of, like, making friends where you have to put yourself out there, whether yeah, you're definitely. introverted, extroverted, whichever, just, like, get, put yourself in those spaces to interact with different people. I also would challenge you, especially as you're going into college to like the people that you maybe like were friends with in high school or the the demographic of your high school or whatever that you used to hang out with, but it may not necessarily be the people that you end up making friends with in college too. Like really expand your horizon of like, um, of the people that you surround yourself with. I think that that is super important and like college is such a unique time for that too um yeah I think also like always be true to yourself like do not change yourself I think Gabby was in this a little earlier but like do not change yourself um to fit in in any like I don't know group or club or whatever that that if it does not stick to your own values and beliefs and like 
your, yeah, the core of who you are. Um, I think once you're 100% yourself and you find people that love you for who you are and you will find people who love you for who you are. You may not necessarily be the most popular person in college or be the president of this club or have a million friends, but being true to who you are, and I know that sounds so cheesy. But it's true, you guys. It sounds like a Disney Channel, like, thing. I don't know, Malika. I think that's great advice. Yeah, thanks. I would agree with that. And I think there's another aspect of there where you have to be okay with getting outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And being uncomfortable and making the first move to introduce yourself to someone. Different things like that where um, maybe that's not how you normally roll. I'm normally pretty shy when I first meet people and I've had to learn that sometimes I need to be the one who goes up and introduces myself and asks them what they're into. Um, I can't always just wait for people to come to me. And um, honestly, a lot of that is, it's very humbling to um, be the one who's willing to go outside of your comfort zone, but it's so worth it. And it's so um, rewarding when you get to the heart of what someone loves. And a lot of times you can relate on different levels. And that's a really beautiful thing because you've just made a new friend. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, I don't know, for me personally, sometimes I get butt hurt when I'm just like, <laughs> when I like really like someone, I'm like, I want to be your friend. And I feel like, because I think something I have to learn too is just like, not everyone is as like out there as I am. And so yeah. I'm like, please match. So I'd be like, please match my energy because I want to be your friend, but I'm not getting enough here. And I don't know if you like me or if you think I'm obnoxious or whatever. It takes time. And it does take yeah. time. And it takes cultivation of that friendship and that relationship and um and it yeah as much it's definitely um goes 50 50 but that's something I had to learn too um is yeah not everyone necessarily like makes friends the same way that I do yeah it's important to learn because then you you have to handle your expectations of what you have for friends and um for making friends and what that looks like and it probably looks a lot different than you're used to and it's something you have to learn about yourself and about others yeah I think something I just thought about too is just like um when you're making friends or just finding your people a lot of that kind of like what I was saying like being true to yourself like exploring who you are and like figuring and being confident in who you are will help mitigate um comparison that may arise from seeing other people's friendships and relationships and um idolizing those things um for sure I think when we are insecure of yeah I guess what we maybe that's a wrong no I mean not insecure but like I agree with you the whole path of comparison is such a steep hill and when you step down it you just start to tumble and you guys I can promise it may look like that friend group all has their lives together but that is not true yes, yeah. there is so much more that goes on beneath the surface and that's not something to judge them for but it's something to keep a perspective of of what is really true and what is an image mm-hmm. and um I don't know I think about like the age of social media and how we're all really cultivating an image of 
how you want people to see you and that's kind of just the nature of social media but um don't take that as a way to compare your relationships or your friend group or um whatever it is with other people's because that will only steal your joy girl steal your joy don't let nobody steal your joy is the thief of joy guys it really is yes Let's pop yeah. in a mug somewhere. Put it on a mug somewhere. We should make a mug. Right? Let's get some merch. Get some merch. <laughs> yes. I'm like, that's so true. Like, I remember freshman year, like, being, like, on a Friday night and, like, seeing everyone's Snapchats or, like, Instagram stories and being like, yo, like, they're having so much fun. This group already found their people or, yeah. like, um. Oh, I remember that, too. You remember me being that or you remember I like, remember me oh, being yeah. like that too. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess was, we were both like that. <laughs> yeah. Um probably should have just called each other that night or something like oh, that. Yeah. Instead of both on the internet. There's an idea. <laughs> when you have one of those nights, yeah. call your friends. Right. See who's around. I just assume my other friends were doing those cool things too. Yeah. Sometimes you assume <laughs> those things, but if you don't go out of your way and and check and really make an effort, right. sometimes it pays off and can see like you're not alone yeah in any of that and like social media is literally just a highlight reel it definitely is like I don't necessarily I mean if you really want to get to know me you don't need to go to my social media let's have a chat let's have a talk like Marco Polo Polo me (laughs) you know like I every day you I think there's an aspect of vulnerability that like because of the way that social media is kind of set up I do not feel always comfortable sharing certain aspects of my life or vulnerability with a platform of just strangers and honestly that's like a normal thing yes like that is normal (laughs) to not want to share every single part of who you are on a social media platform and that's okay like that's not really what it's for you know and like I don't know I see like I see some people being super like using the platform that they have their followers being super intimate and vulnerable so other people don't feel like they're alone it's like I see that aspect it's just like well I don't know. I think simultaneously, I suck. I have a thousand followers, so it's not like you know, thousands <laughs> of people really need to know what I'm doing or whatever. Right. But I think at the same time, it's just like, um, yeah, for me personally, I'm like, yo, let's just yeah. grab coffee, get a phone call, we can yeah. chat, like, let's talk, like, have even- those real conversations that go um, beyond small talk. Yeah, and be willing to go there. And I love be that authentic person who you are and sometimes that's hard and not comfortable and sometimes you're feeling emotional and (laughs) you might cry and honestly like sis you are not alone like we all have those moments and I think it takes someone who really cares to ask about those moments and so sometimes you have to be that person for other people and that's a really beautiful um role to fill a really big privilege in a friendship to be that person who gets to check up and be like hey how are you actually doing about this or this and how are you feeling about this how does that make you feel how can I help you how can I pray for you and having those real conversations I know you and I'm like I've had so many (laughs) so many of those conversations and they have been pivotal moments in some of the biggest um, different crises of my life And those have been the things that really um, point me back to God and have been really big um, game changers, honestly. Yeah. 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 I mean, and same here, too. Like, like, it's just intentionality, vulnerability. 
definitely really hard and some harder for other people, especially if like you have been open with people in your life and you that trust was um, broken and yeah, so that's a real you know it might be hard thing. yeah to open up with people and not know people's intentions like people do you actually like just even being cynical like do you yeah. actually care right now what are you getting out of this conversation you know yeah. where people actually just want to care for you yeah um and get to know you and speak life into you and speak encouragement to you like there are people who genuinely yeah. want that so I don't know yeah no I think you bring up an interesting point of cynicism um, I was reading in um, a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And yes! Talk- yes, so good! <laughs> so good. <laughs> I forgot. Have you read that one? We were talking about this. Yeah. We totally talked I about that. I haven't finished it, but yo, it's it was so, so good. good. There's a chapter on cynicism. There's a chapter on cynicism, and I literally read it yesterday. And he <laughs> talks about how, um, like, what we have very cynical hearts in our um, world that we live in, and how, like, that steals... Um, a lot of our motivation to pray and how, um, like we don't see the good in people and see the best in people. And we choose to see all these things, um, that are negative mm-hmm. and, um, definitely would recommend a praying life by Paul Miller. He yes. goes into that much more. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have That's it in front five, of me. Right? It's section two. I okay. know it's section two. I don't know a chapter, but definitely would recommend, um, yeah. it's a good read. Yeah, I, yeah, haven't finished it, but Gabby's book been recommendation there for you guys. Right, Gabby's been reading it, but yeah, I think I don't know. I think this has just been a really good conversation, like yeah. for sure. And I don't know. We talked about like college to like social media. Yeah, to, we kind of went like, all over the place. All over really the stay place. On topic, but hopefully right. that was encouraging for someone. Yeah. To know you're not alone, and it's hard, but God is good, and it's gonna be okay. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. I think that was I, a really yeah. great close okay. up. Well, I hope you guys have a good night. Yeah. Peace out. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.